Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rebound Thompson. Thompson will take it across. The Nets won't foul. The ball game's over and the Warriors have won. You had to wait till the final horn. <laughs> That's one of the latest ones I've ever done. Man. Woo! 16-point fourth quarter for number 30. And Golden State with a hard-earned win. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game. Warriors Wrap-Up starts now. Exhale, exhale, just take a deep breath, right? The Warriors with a double-digit lead find a way to close out as they snap a three-game skid and take down, or I should say hold off, the Brooklyn Nets here at Chase Center by a final score of 124-120. to This is Warriors Wrap-Up. My name is Evan Giddings, represented by Xfinity, the Xfinity 10G network made for streaming live sports. And tonight was a game that the Warriors, simply put, absolutely needed. Entering tonight... Four games below 500, a Brooklyn Nets team that's playing some quality basketball, seven, ten, seven wins in their last 10 games. And right now, having lost 12 of your last 16, Golden State needed this victory about as bad as any team in the association right now. So I know a lot of people are feeling mixed emotions, and 888-957-9570 is the number. Also, the Comcast Business text line. Shout out to our YouTube chat out there, 95.7 The Game. And this is one that here, simply put, was on the back of number 30 and Stephen Curry. And a question I felt like I kept asking myself throughout the game, especially in the fourth quarter, was, is Stephen Curry really 35 years old? Now, he scored his 3,503 earlier in this game tonight, but this man just continues to defy age in ways that, statistically speaking, we have not seen in historic fashion. Entering the game 33, 30.3 points per game, had never been put up through 24 games by a 35-year-old or older. And Steve Kerr, after the game, which we will hear from in just a little bit, his quote was pretty much, I think, how most people have felt throughout this season. Stephen Curry has had to carry the Golden State Warriors a quarter of the way through the year. Now you can make the case he's also had to carry the Warriors for much of the last 12 years, including the bulk of the of the shouldering throughout four championship seasons. But it is such a, it, an interesting look at where the Warriors are at and where Stephen Curry really is at. He ends up with 37 points, a game high in 35 minutes. 
and he scores 16 points in the fourth quarter, pretty much all of which were necessary. This game was tied after the Warriors. We can get into the second half in which really the third quarter in which the Nets go on an absolute tear after being down 16 at the break, trailed by as many as 18. The Warriors give that lead back in a fashion that has unfortunately become kind of commonplace in recent weeks. But in the very least, this was the sixth double-digit lead in the last two and a half weeks that the Warriors had. And it was the first one that they did not blow. So that is absolutely a good sign. And the fact that Stephen Curry, who was shut out on Thursday against the Clippers in the fourth quarter, bounces back with 16 fourth quarter points, again, all of them necessary, is a fantastic sign for the way that he is playing because it does not look like he has lost a step offensively. Now, he only had a couple of assists in this game, and you know the, the rebound totaling, not exactly there, but the Warriors need this guy to score, sim- simply put. And along with his running mates, Clay, Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers scored, I believe, the last 20 points for the Golden State Warriors in that fourth quarter. And so there, there's an awful lot to, to dig into here. 888-957-9570 is the number if you want to call in. And, and my question off the top of Warriors wrap-up is this. Are you encouraged by that win? The Warriors are now three games below 500. They are 11-14. and 14. And they hand the Nets a loss to bring them a game above 500, now 13 and 12. But are you encouraged by what you saw tonight? The fact that the Warriors blew another lead, but were able to control it down the stretch, or I should say hold off the Nets. The fact that they were able to survive Brooklyn, a team that we talked about it on Warriors Live, that stylistically has given Golden State fits throughout this entire season. Teams that, A, can make threes. They were even tonight in terms of three-point shots, the majority of which for Brooklyn came in the second half. B, they're long, lengthy, young, athletic. All of those guys tonight for for Brooklyn, specifically Cam Thomas, who had 41 points and was an absolute firecracker for the Nets. Mikhail Bridges got it going late. Cam Johnson. You know, these are guys and teams that generally give the Warriors trouble and and I think has made it difficult for the Warriors to maintain leads when they do not take care of the basketball because there were too many live ball turnovers tonight, mainly in that third quarter, five of them which led to eight Brooklyn points, and then the three-point ball, Brooklyn made six of them in the third quarter. That's how they got back into that basketball game, and that's how the Warriors, to me, at least what was encouraging for me, is that you look at the final... And the final essentially five minutes, right? Um, this was a game that was tied 106 all with 557 left. So the last six minutes, Curry step back wing three over Cam Thomas puts him up three. Then next possession, Curry again, this time from deeper on the same wing after already giving Cam Thomas a two piece crossover in the corner with a step back deuce. And then he goes for a 20 footer over Nick Claxton in which he calmly just kind of calls off a screen, gets the switch that he wants. He doesn't want bridges on him, brings Claxton over, gives him a two point shot that puts the Warriors up 114, 106. And then the Nets don't go away. Now down the stretch of that game, as opposed to the third quarter, I thought it was more offensively the Nets getting whatever they wanted as opposed to, the Warriors giving them an outlet to get back into this game, which they did in the third quarter. Nets start to double Curry, so they got to get a stop, and that's how they ended up eclipsing it at one point, was, which was an eight-point advantage for the Warriors down the stretch of that game. That opens things up for Klay Thompson. Hits a big three ball with 3.23 left in the fourth quarter to make it a five-point lead. And then... This is the other part of this game, and, and, and we can dig into it six different ways because there's there's a lot that 
I thought was encouraging despite the fact that you know the Warriors are, are where they are in the season. What I saw was a head coach in Steve Kerr that needed to press the right buttons for a team with not much margin for error. And I thought down the stretch of the fourth quarter, you could talk about early in the game. I know there was a stretch in which in the third quarter he took Kaminga out. They were a minus 12 during Kaminga's absence in which he went to, I think, Moody in that situation. But down the stretch, I thought Steve Kerr coached a really good basketball game. And, of course, he obviously has the help of arguably you know the, the greatest score that we have currently in the game, especially considering his age and Stephen Curry. But... Kerr goes to, with three minutes left, he brings in Brandon Pachensky, who I want to devote a lot of time to here tonight because I thought he played fantastic. I, at that point, it was Pachensky, Curry, Looney, Wiggins, and Clay. And I thought that that might have been a position for Wiggins to close a game in which he kind of proved, I think, after getting benched two games ago, or last game, that he had some sort of response in him, that he took that personally, similar to the way that Clay has quietly taken that benching down the stretch of the Phoenix game in the closing seconds. Personally, he scored 54 points in his last two games. So Steph hits a, a ridiculous floater with 56.4 seconds left. That puts the Warriors up by four. And as they continue to get doubled, that's when Steve Kerr starts to, to switch offense to defense. And, and this is where I think people have become understandably frustrated with the way that Kerr has blindly trusted in certain individuals, mainly the OGs. And that's kind of what I thought he was going to do again tonight. But he brings in pods with 323 left. And then after Pachemski unfortunately misses a dagger with 28 seconds left, a timeout by the Nets. And at that point, I'm wondering, well, this is a game in which the Nets can either take a three to go ahead, they can score, tie this game, potentially send it to overtime. And Steve Kerr brings in Jonathan Kaminga for defensive purposes with 26 seconds left. Mikhail Bridges goes right around him, but Kaminga, and I think he's the only guy on the floor that has a chance to make this kind of play, which is after you get blown by, you can recover and get to the ball to at least affect the shot. And Mikhail Bridges misses off the window. A makeable shot for a quality player. But Kaminga, I thought, affected that play enough defensively. And Kerr had the wherewithal to bring him back in the game as a potential perimeter stopper. So the fact that he was able to trust both guys that, again, started this this basketball game, Pachemski and Kaminga, back into the starting lineup for the second straight game, I like that Steve Kerr was willing to trust those young guys in a position down the stretch in which we hadn't necessarily seen him do that in the past in closing spots, switching, matching spots, uh, matching positions with a Brooklyn Nets team that had essentially everything going for them offensively. Now, look, there's a lot to clean up on the defensive side of the basketball you know, you just look up and down the box the box score, and of course the second half in which Brooklyn ends up scoring 66 of their 120 points, 35 of which in that third quarter. There's a lot to look at. They gave up 17 threes, did the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, they were only able to force a few turnovers uh, in, in the second half, though they got a few down the stretch. They gave up 14 offensive rebounds. That was a lot. But in a game in which the Warriors, I thought, needed to... Again, just get a win and right the ship. I was encouraged that they, for the first time in, it it seems like almost a month, a month and a half, they were able 
to, to not blow a double-digit lead. I know that that may sound like wishful thinking at this point, but that's kind of where the Warriors are in their season. They're in a position in which they cannot nitpick victories. They need them, and they need them bad, and they got one here tonight against Brooklyn. So 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings with you on Warriors wrap-up after Golden State holds off the Brooklyn Nets at home. 124-120 to is the final score. What did you think about the game? What did you love from whether it's the Splash Brothers who can Combined for 61 points. Curry had 37 of which they combined for the final 20 points of that game for Golden State. Did you love what you see from Brandon Pachemski? And, and, and this is where I'll go with, with, with that, because to me, Pachemski has emerged in a way that I don't know if anyone could foresee you know, a, a mid-first-round pick emerging and a guy that was expected to primarily be in Santa Cruz for the majority of his rookie year. And he has stepped into the limelight. He has been given the rope and the, 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 I mean, just the trust by Steve Kerr to perform tonight in a way. And there, there's a couple of examples in which I feel like Brandon Pachemski, at 20 years of age, has become, in my opinion, the most impactful and most impressive rookie that I have witnessed for the Golden State Warriors since Draymond Green. And it's not just because of the points. Look, he had 19 hit four of nine from three-point range, five and five as far as the assists, rebounds, three steals, and a block. He, he just is able to impact every part of the box score. But it's also the smartness with which he plays and the wherewithal that he clearly has on the court. There's still some growing pains. There's no doubt about it. He had four personal fouls, two of which were for illegal screens. He had five turnovers tonight, which led all, all, all Warriors. But the fact that Steve Kerr, after Pajemski picks up his third foul early in that second half, is willing to stay with him and willing to bring him back again with 3.23 left in the ballgame, demonstrates to me a trust and a willingness to let this guy play through some mistakes. And he pretty much gave it all back. I mean, he provided the type of impact you want to see. I remember Draymond Green, his rookie year, though he didn't play as much as Pajemski's playing as of late, he was a guy that when he came into the game, he would continuously make plays that made you look up and say, huh, this guy just knows how to win. And it's ironic that Draymond Green is, is not with the team, of course, because he's indefinitely suspended, and that it, it offers an opportunity for Pajemski, who I think has not quite every characteristic of Draymond, but brings Green-like just situational awareness. And, and to do that in his rookie season for a kid that's only 20 years old, to me, is something that the Warriors could not have foreseen but have to be immensely grateful for because I thought he was fantastic tonight and was a big reason why the Warriors, both in the first half, were able to create an 18-point lead and then, of course, down the stretch of the game over the final 323, were able to close out the Nets. I also look at what the second unit has pretty much been for the Warriors, which... You know, again, I think now 90% of the time this season, they have outscored their opponents, uh, at least the second units has. And tonight, that was the same case again. You know, you look at uh, the 30 points that the combination of Sharich, Wiggins, Paul, and Moody provided outscoring them. They were plus 17 as far as the second unit is concerned. Dario Sharich and all, all 12 of his points came in the first half, but they were necessary. And even though I think that defensively, he, he does hurt you, and there are some things that I would like to see more of. At the very least, he provides 
a scoring threat from the perimeter. And as a big, the Warriors, especially without Draymond, who's been inconsistent at best throughout his career from three-point range, um, they just don't have that. So I thought he was solid tonight. Andrew Wiggins, though there's still some... There's still something going on with Wiggins, and and it's it's hard to describe, but it, it it kind of to me comes to the forefront around the rim, and for whatever reason, you see Wiggins either he creates space and can get to the cup but can't finish, or he has a position in which it feels like he's in an advantageous spot, but isn't quite able to make the dribble necessary. You know, I, he hit, hit a couple of mid-range shots in the second half, was four of nine, five rebounds, two offensive boards, um, but 14 points and one assist for Wiggins is a guy that right now in 26 minutes, I'm glad that he is providing that punch off of the bench as opposed to the Warriors needing that from the starting unit. Um, but I, I still have not seen Wiggins quite turn a corner yet. And so I do wonder if Steve Kerr will continue to trust him down the stretch of games uh, because I also think defensively he's he's a little behind where I would hope him to be as well. Chris Paul in 30 minutes, outside of one bad turnover in the fourth quarter, I, I thought, look, I mean, this is the kind of game in which I think the Warriors without Chris Paul, they might lose that game because in the second half, the reason why I thought Brooklyn got back into the game was because of a lot of live ball turnovers from the Golden State Warriors. And Chris Paul... Along with, of course, other players down the stretch of that game, Curry took better care of the ball. Clay took better care of the ball. I think the, the passing was crisp down the stretch. But as opposed to five turnovers in the first about nine minutes of that third quarter, the Warriors turned the ball over just once in the final 15 minutes of that basketball game. And I think that, more than anything else, is a huge reason for them being able to overcome Brooklyn. They were a plus two in terms of turnovers, and 14 is... Look, a number you'd like to, of course, be below 10, but for a Warriors team that right now is, I think, in the bottom five as far as turnovers and turnover rate is concerned, um, this is a team that cannot nitpick how many times they give the ball up. So 14, I thought, was a good number there, uh, though it led to 24 points for Brooklyn. I thought that's how the Nets kind of stayed in the game in the first half and why instead of an 18-point lead, it might not have ballooned to a 24-25 point lead for Golden State. Um, Moses Moody didn't provide much impact tonight, but but that's, I, I think, kind of what you're going to get sometimes from, from young guys. And I, also, I think it also points to Steve Kerr knowing when to push those buttons with his young players. And I think he's, I think because Steve Kerr, in my opinion, has leaned a little bit more or has been forced to lean more into the youth movement, so to speak, with the Warriors, he's gotten a better feel now from having trusted those guys of when they have going and when they don't. And I think a situation like tonight, you know, Kaminga probably could have played a little bit more than 21 minutes. Um, he was a plus four, 10 points. You know, I, I thought he provided some impact that didn't necessarily show up in the box score. But, you know, he's Kerr is willing to obviously lean into Pajemski. Um, and he also knew when to, to kind of get away or go away from Moses Moody tonight. So... You know, as far as Brooklyn is concerned, you know, you look at this this second half, and to me, as far as the the post game thoughts, kind of the the hierarchy of what I took away from this game is Stephen Curry is still obviously incredible, and the Warriors need him to be great every single night for Golden State to have a chance to win. That's just where they're at, and he has shouldered the load in more than I'm sure ways that we can see on the court. 
through the first quarter of the season. He's got 3,500 threes for his career. Of course, he's the all-time leader there, but he hit 6 of 9 from distance. And he was also efficient. I mean, 14 of 22, 6 of 8, pardon me, 6 of 8 from 3 for 37 points. Curry also quietly had three blocks tonight. I mean, I know that the, the one assist, it might be a number that jumps out there. Uh, but Steph was was playing some defense against Brooklyn. He was obviously given to whoever was in front of him. And then the other guy, Clay Thompson, who's been you know much maligned and, and understandably so early on this year. You look at the first now eleven games of the year, and Clay Thompson was uh, just just could not hit water if he fell out of a boat, or at least that's the way that it felt. But you look at now quietly the last 12 games, Clay Thompson is shooting above 40% from three-point range. Now, the overall field goal percentage is probably not where you want it to be. He was 7 of 19 tonight. I thought he, along with Wiggins, had a lot of open looks at the cup. And honestly, the Warriors as an entire team, Kevon Looney was probably the poster boy for this, had some open looks at the rim and just could not quite finish at the, at, at, at the cup. And so, I think if if that potentially turns around, that'll help Clay. But but where I am looking for Clay Thompson to help because I think at the age that he is, with the injuries that he's suffered, this guy has to be a knockdown shooter for the Warriors, and they may need him to be a consistent three point threat more than ever before because this is a team right now that is pretty devoid of shooting, and and that's sort of the, the difference to me. Like when we were having the conversations about who needs to go to the bench or who needs to take a step back as far as the rotation, you know, when Clay wasn't playing well, he got benched against Phoenix, and that that is certainly understandable. I completely agreed with it, but. In a league that emphasizes three-point shooting, and you saw it from Brooklyn tonight, they were pretty porous in the first half from three-point range, but this is a team that is fourth overall in the NBA in three-point makes. You knew that that wave was going to come, and it came in the form of six threes in the third quarter. They ended up with 17. You need three-point shooters, and the Warriors right now, I think Pajemski has been emerging as a consistent three-point threat, but that wasn't something that was necessarily expected. So outside of, of Curry... Clay has to be that second three-point threat. And so I was happy to see him be able to knock down some clutch baskets from distance, especially in the fourth quarter when they started throwing doubles and all kinds of traps at Curry. It found the ball found Clay Thompson open. And I thought he was able to hit enough, of course, for the Warriors to win this game. Um, but for also the Nets, this is another part of it too. If Brooklyn or teams in the future have to essentially concern themselves with what Clay or potentially Pajemski is doing from three-point range, then you are not afforded the ability to double Curry as much as we've seen some teams try to do. Now, I think Brooklyn had to go to it tonight because he was kicking their ass, Curry was, but if Clay is finding himself, and and I think he has over the last two, I think that benching was a wake-up call, the way that you hope the starting lineup demotion for Andrew Wiggins can be a wake-up call well then we have to then then you might have something cooking as far as the Warriors are concerned and they're shooting so 20 points in the uh, the last 20 points scored by the way by the Splash Brothers tonight they combined for 61 points the hierarchy goes Curry, Curry 37, Thompson 24, Pajemski 19, and then some ancillary scores, you know, a total of, what, six guys tonight with double digits. Um, I thought it was an all-around effort for a Warriors team that really needed a win badly coming off three straight road losses, all of which I believe, in fact, they had double-digit leads, and... And, and that's that's kind of my overarching question here on Warriors wrap up with Evan Giddings on ninety five seven. The game is: Are you encouraged by the win tonight? 
Or are you in a position where the Warriors, look, they, they still got a, a big hole to dig themselves out of here. I mean, they're still three games below 500. This isn't a win that, in my mind, is something that you look at and say, all right, they've turned the corner. This is a different basketball team. But they're not in a position, in my opinion, in which they can really look at games and say, oh, well, you know, we, we, we didn't like this, we didn't like that. No, you got to take the W's when they can come because against a team tomorrow night in Portland in which you got a quick turnaround, it's a Trailblazers team you should probably be able to beat. This is a chance for the Warriors to get back to 500, the road to 500 as we speak, and find themselves in a position to eventually turn the corner. Now, the Warriors, again, this is their first of 13 games. They got 11 of which, now 10 more at home. So you got a chance in front of your Chase Center crowd, which, by the way, I think helped and gave them a little bit of juice. Uh, now you're 6-6, six and six, you're 500 at home. You got a chance to make up some ground here, even without what, who, a, a player in which I believe has been their second best in, in Draymond Green, however you slice it. I think he's been very impactful when he's been on the court. The Warriors now have a chance, I think, to dig themselves out of this hole if they can consistently find ways to piece these wins together. Now, that that may not sound like a championship team to you, but where I'm at is this. This is a, is not currently a title team, but it's a team that still has some pieces that I think if reformed, if if retooled, if, if kind of puzzled around you got 10 to 15 games to prove that you deserve to be in a conversation because to this point through 25 games, um, the Warriors have been a sub-500 basketball team, and I think that they're better than that. And so I, I think this was a good step tonight, but I'm curious if people are encouraged or not by the win. 888-957-9570 is the number. Um, I also do want to get, before we hit a break real fast, I do want to get to our hardest worker of the game. And in my mind, it's it's really quite, quite simple uh, for multiple reasons. It, it's Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry was the hardest worker of the game, not just because he had 37 points and 16 of them he scored in the fourth quarter, but because he was fighting through double teams. He was taking on different defenders and still was able to will this Warriors basketball team to a win. So to me, Stephen Curry is the hardest worker of the game, brought to you by Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. If you're looking for a career in law enforcement, learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. Evan Giddings with you on Warriors Wrap-Up. Going to take a quick break and come back with more. Again, we're all presented by Xfinity, the Xfinity 10G Network, the best way to stream live sports. We got your extending the three-point line highlight on the other side, along with some questions that I have about what the Warriors are moving forward and how they can continue this. So rack them up. 888-957-9570 is the number if you want to call into the show. Also, the number for the Comcast Business text line. I see you out there on YouTube. We appreciate you tuning in here on 95.7 The Game. My name is my name is Evan Giddings, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Neither team a foul again. O'Neal looks to the corner, throws up top to Bridges. Goes to work on Kaminga, drives right by him. Layup is up and no good. Rebound, Pajemski. Pajemski out of the pack, takes it to midcourt. Hand off Curry. Steps around, drives in, gets a layup, and finger rolls it in with 17.3 to go. Warriors lead 124 to 120. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. This is Warriors Wrap-Up. My name is Evan Giddings, and we are presented by Xfinity as the Warriors get back into the win column. A much-needed victory here at Chase Center. 
Final score, 124-120 as they hold off the Brooklyn Nets. The Warriors led by as many as 18 in the first half. Then the Nets took a lead into that fourth quarter, and then the Warriors found a way to battle back, and it was primarily because of Stephen Curry, along with, I think, Clay Thompson belongs in that as well because Curry had 37 points, 16 of which in the fourth quarter after he was shut out in the fourth quarter against the Clippers on Thursday night. But Clay Thompson hit a couple of big threes down the stretch of that fourth. He ends up with 24 points as the Splash Brothers combined for 61. They combined also for the final 20 points scored by the Warriors in that basketball game as the Nets, as so many other opponents have, would just not go away. I mean, you look at Cam Thomas, who scored 41 points for Brooklyn. Spencer Dinwiddie had 14 assists tonight. I mean, Nick Claxton was all over the glass, 19-12 and 12 with five offensive rebounds. He had five block shots. Every single member of the starting five for the Brooklyn Nets was in double digits, and they played heavy minutes tonight. Mikel Bridges played 42 minutes, didn't have his best game, but save his best for the second half, in which he had 12 second half points and so it took just about everything for the Warriors to overcome a Brooklyn Nets team that just took its its fourth loss in its last 12 games so they've been playing pretty good basketball the Warriors of course have not been playing great basketball but for the first time in their last now six games the Warriors are able to hold you know effectively hold a double digit lead I mean I know they didn't hold it uh, the entire way but they got a win in which a game in which they led by double digits. Um, so, so the question I have at 888-957-9570 is this. Is that an encouraging victory for the Golden State Warriors? Or it was it kind of much of the same? I mean, I'm in a position where this is what I was encouraged by. Of course, the fact that Curry is able to just put this team on his back and carry them the way that he has carried them for the majority of not just this season, but for his entire career. I'm encouraged by the fact that that Clay Thompson is is quietly riding the ship. Now he's 44 for his last 103 across 12 games, but since he was benched down the stretch of the Phoenix game two games ago, he has scored 54 points and has become the secondary score that I believe the Warriors need if they're to have any chance to make some noise this noise this season. I was encouraged by the fact that Brandon Pachemski looks like the best Warriors rookie I've seen, most impactful. Warriors rookie that I've seen since Draymond Green, and there have been a few good ones, but as far as winning is concerned, that is what I have not seen from a first-year player since really 2012, and Brandon Pachemski has been that guy for them. So I was also encouraged by the fact that Steve Kerr, though there were some things throughout the game I, I, I kind of batted my eyes at, I thought he pressed the right buttons down the stretch of that game, and he didn't just lean all the way into the OGs or the veterans. He kind of picked and chose his spots with his young guys, and specifically Kaminga, to come in and force or at least alter Mikhail Bridges' game-time potential shot with 30 seconds left. I thought that was a big spot for Kaminga, and I thought Kerr did the right job by trusting him in a one-on-one perimeter defending position. So 888-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings with you on Warriors wrap-up after a 124-120 victory for Golden State. Let's get out to Mark in Milbray. Bring him on here. And uh, Mark, what's going on, man? What would you think of the game tonight? You're on Warriors wrap-up. How are you? What's up, man? Uh, to me, I like the rotational uh, moves in the lineup by Kerr. I think Wiggins really struggling right now. I think hopefully he can finally get his head together and be more impactful now coming off the bench there. Sarge, I thought, was pretty impressive. But Jemski has been excellent. I love that pick, as you mentioned just now. 
I love what this kid's doing, man. I didn't know much about him. I know he played at Santa Clara, but this kid has been really impressive so far. And Kaminga has really got to elevate his game. I think this is critical for Kaminga to show with Draymond out now. He's got to show he can be part of this, uh, a starter now and, hope, and maybe even take uh, Draymond's place there in the starting lineup at times whenever he comes back. So I hope, this, I hope Kaminga takes this period of time now and show that Kerr can't mess with him because he really has no choice to, to, to yo-yo him in and out of the lineup. And oh. Kaminga's got to really thrive right now. And what can you say about Curry? The guy's just incredible, man. To, <laughs> he hasn't really dropped off to, to play like he's playing at this point in his career. I just hope that everybody outside of Curry really elevates their game because I really do think it's going to be struggle game to game regardless of, a, you know, they can be up 15, 20 points even against average teams. And, and Nets are, you know, kind of a, you know, they're kind of an average team. And even against teams like Portland, I just hope the, the Warriors at this point can really right the, their ship and, and get on a winning streak here against inferior competition, even though uh, they really can't overlook any team. I don't care who it is. They got Portland a couple times. I know the schedule gets easier. But at this point in time, how do you think they approach it going forward now, uh, this stretch here without Draymond against these teams? Can they really actually get it on a winning streak? Or are they going to revert back to winning a game or two and then losing to, to awful teams? Thanks for the time. Appreciate that, Mark. No, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, again, I think everyone has been encouraged by Brandon Pachemski, and I think they've been discouraged by the fact that the Warriors yet, I mean, I know they won tonight, but they did blow another pretty sizable lead. It was at 1.18 in the first half. They led by as many as 16 at the half, and then it pretty much all went downhill from there. So, you know, I I think, um, look, as far as the upcoming games are concerned. I mean, the Warriors, obviously, they they get Portland tomorrow night, and then they're going to come home for three in a row next week, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. You get Boston, and then on Friday, the return of Jordan Poole on on a night on ESPN, in fact. And I think Bob Myers is going to be on the pregame for that show. So that should be one that everyone has circled. Maybe not for... I don't know, all the star power, but it mainly for all the storylines. And then, of course, next Saturday, you get the back-to-back with Portland again. So there's some very winnable games coming up for the Warriors. Boston's going to be a tough test. That's also going to be a nationally televised game on TNT. So, you know, I, I think I think the Celtics are one that you probably don't expect to win. But that's why, again, this Brooklyn game is important because you fall behind five games below 500, then you're looking at your next seven, and you pretty much got to win you know, five, you got to go five and two just to be in a position before the end of the new year to get to close to 500. And now you at least give yourself a chance, right? If you are able to win three of your next four, well, then you're a game below 500 looking at three more before the end of the new year as opposed to looking up. So, you know, that that's kind of the schedule game that the Warriors got to play right now. And again, they just need W's at this point. And that's what I was, was impressed about tonight, that the fact that the Warriors were able to get that done. So, you know, I, I think as far as the Kaminga aspect of this, that to me is an interesting part because one... One thing that I wondered when Draymond was suspended indefinitely was number one, who's going to you know step up for him and, and and defensively? How are they going to overcome that? Because I think Draymond being out in addition to having GP two out means you're down two of your three or four best defensive players, whichever way you slice it. Kaminga is the natural fit, I think, for me at the four 
to slide in. But this is where over the next, I, I would say, 10 games, because I don't think Draymond's going to be back before the end of this year, of, t- of 2023, I should say, the new year. But does Jonathan Kaminga make enough of a third-year leap for you to be okay, potentially, moving forward with not needing to rely on Draymond as much, or maybe even in the future being willing to move off of him and being okay with the next iteration of what this Warriors franchise is going to be. Now, I don't think Kaminga can answer that question wholly. We're not going to know if he's you know a championship player or you know if he's uh, going to be a perennial all-star or all-defense. I don't think we're going to learn that over 10 games. But you can get an idea of which way Kaminga is trending in not only a pivotal year because it's year three, but also you're going to have to make a decision about whether you want to extend Kaminga beyond the end of next season. And if it doesn't look like that right now, he is a guy that is progressing or developing in the right direction, which I don't, he's shown no sign of that yet. But what I'm saying is if he doesn't show that across these games in which he's going to get more burn, then maybe you have some tough choices to make with JK. I think that over the next 10 to 15 without Draymond, and if Steve Kerr can give Kaminga the rope that he has deserved so far from his play this year, then I think the tough questions are going to surround number 23. They're going to surround Draymond Green more than they are Jonathan Kaminga. So I appreciate the call. Uh, let's get back out there. 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings with you on Warriors Wrap-Up. Let's go out to Fremont and grab Rich. What's up, Rich? How you doing, man? What would you take away from tonight's game? Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. I think when I look at this, 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 this tonight's game, you, you have to give tip your hat to Steve Kerr because – the rotation that he set up tonight, it was beautiful. It worked. Hey, let's keep it real. BKN was not soft. And they weren't soft when they came in. These guys are run seven straight. So he, he laid that out there, let you know, hey, look, you know what? We know, we know what we're dealing with. We know how we're going to be able to handle this. And he gets the W. And we know Steph being Steph, and I still say, Somebody should tell Steph he's 35. <laughs> he, he's, playing, he, he's playing like, like, hey, he's 26 years old. But And i got to tip my hat to Pajemski. Oh, my goodness. What just an, an eloquent game by him tonight. Beautiful. And J.K., hey, next man up. Did his job. Did, didn't, did some way that saw the job and stepped up. And so what do you have? You have a win, and you have a win whether what the, the, the contributors they set up. And everybody's been hating on my man. Oh my goodness, I, I can't believe it. But they've been hating on him. Look, hmm? when it really comes down to it, when it really comes down to it, okay, my man hit threes when they needed to be hit. Look, he was there when he needed to be there. You had over 20 points tonight, and hey, that's what you do when you're the next man up. So, to Clay, Clay Thompson, I'm tipping my hat to him. Nobody else is going to do that. He's going to say, well, you're struggling or whatever. No, 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 no. Look, Clay's yeah. been there. He's done that. And so, hats off to him. Hats off to the Warriors. Great win. Thanks for your time, man. Thank you. No, appreciate it, Rich. Like, I'm with you. I, I think... 
Look, if if we are going to come down the road of Clay Thompson for the first, you know, 12 to 13 games of this season because he was not playing very well, poor shot selection, didn't have it going, and the Warriors were suffering because of it, then at this point now, with the way that he's playing, you do have to give him his flowers. Like, it, it, it's a two-way street, so I'm 100% with you. Clay Thompson was a big reason why the Warriors won tonight. And, and this is kind of where I'm at. And, and, and just going through the YouTube comments, I appreciate you chiming in. Um, you know, from Nina, GL Gray, you know, I hate that the Dubs can't hold the lead. I'm 100% there with you. Uh, my guy, Uncle Looney, I'm kind of with you. Any win is a good win without having Draymond. No grading in this situation. And also, they got to follow it up tomorrow. Kim Love is saying Wiggins is still a problem. I think he is less of a problem now because he is coming off of the bench and he's being asked to do less. Or I should say the success of the Warriors are at this point is not as dependent on him with the amount of minutes that Kerr is giving him. And so that's why I'm with you, Rich, as far as Clay is concerned, as well as Steve Kerr, because there's a lot that we were criticizing them for I don't know. I mean, even going back four or five games, the fact that, I mean, they still have lost seven road games in a row and that they hope to change tomorrow night against Portland. So that is a must-win game from that perspective to right that ship. But to get off a three-game skid, I thought was extremely important tonight. And I, I thought that Steve Kerr did a great job mixing and matching and kind of puzzle-piecing the final five minutes or so together in which, of course, Curry takes over offensively. But then to go back to Pachemski with 3.23 left, to bring in Jonathan Kaminga with 26 seconds left, and trusting Wiggins enough, but not knowing, not not blindly trusting him from that perspective, I thought that was big from Steve Kerr. And so while we haven't seen it as quickly as we'd like, I do think we're starting to see some of the growth and because of the results of a lot of these blown leads and the Warriors being forced to look at themselves in the mirror, the head coach, the front office, and of course the players themselves, I do think that we're beginning to see that manifest a little bit more. Now the question is whether that equates to victories, and that is still TBD because this is a game that Brooklyn I think could have won tonight, and the Warriors would have been looking up again and saying, all right, this is a familiar story. You know, We're up by 16 at the half and immediately give the lead right back and then blow it down the stretch, but they didn't. So, you know, I wonder if people are encouraged by that. I don't. I can't definitively say that the Warriors have turned a corner yet because if they go and muck it up tomorrow night against Portland, then we're back to square zero. But if they win tonight and then they win tomorrow and you're looking at a game against the Celtics, that's a tough game on Tuesday, but you can win against Washington Friday, you get Portland again on Saturday, then you begin to cook with a little something as you move back to 500. And that's where this team is at. As currently... You know, as currently constructed, they are not a championship team. But until Draymond Green comes back, they have to hold serve. And maybe even if they're able to play above 500 basketball, that would be more encouraging heading into the new year. So, you know, I, I think Pajemski has given people a lot of hope as a bright spot for the youth. I think Kaminga has been much more steady than his first two seasons. Moody was was not great tonight, but the bench as a whole was productive, and I thought Chris Paul kind of quietly with the 11 assists that he played with tonight did a solid job at keeping the, that second unit as a floor unit. And what I mean by that is that unit is not one that I believe right now is going to hurt the Warriors when they have to get, when they have to go to the bench. And you're 
years past, that's been a big problem without Steph Curry. Chris Paul, while he might not have the explosiveness as far as scoring or playmaking that even he did a year ago, I think he gives much more steadiness to a team that, quite honestly, is is in need of someone who can at least steer the ship. And Chris Paul can do that. So 888-957-9570 is the number. Uh, we got about 10, 15 minutes left here on Warriors Wrap-Up with Evan Giddings. I do want to get to our extending the three-point line play, and there's a lot of them to choose from, but I think it's got to be number 30 as we go to our extending the three-point line, and it is uh, brought to you by West Coast Men's Health. Here is Stephen Curry with one of his biggest baskets down the stretch. Curry off a double screen. Retreats, gets Thomas as his defender. Steps to his right, takes the three. It's up and good! Curry answering right back. A little duel going on yeah. here at Chase Center. Oh, the Warriors are hunting Cam Thomas when they have the ball. 109-106 <laughs> Warriors. And that was Tim Roy along with uh, Tim Tolbert on the call. 95-7 the game as they are for every single home game. Tim Roy, all 82, your home for Golden State Warriors basketball. Talking about the back and forth, it was Stephen Curry. But, yeah, and, and this is part of it, too. Like, Brooklyn had a 40-point score tonight, and they lost. So while, you know, obviously you don't want to see the Warriors blow a commanding lead, I do think we need to adjust our sights in some sense to what a 10-point lead actually means in the modern NBA, especially against a team like Brooklyn that's been filling it up lately. They'd won seven of their last 10. They've been playing really good basketball, especially on the road. Um, But I think that they ran out of gas a little bit, and the Warriors were playing with some rejuvenated energy because of... Obviously, they, they needed the victory, I think, a little more than the Nets did. Uh, but also, they were back home off of their, their three-game roadie. So, you know, the Warriors got to follow this thing up tomorrow night. That is an absolute must. The Golden State Warriors cannot lay an egg in Portland and have us try to take them seriously, I think, because, you know, again, when you are four games below 500, now they're three games below 500. You cannot be a chooser. I mean, you're almost a beggar in the sense that they're looking for winnable games. And while they were slightly favored in this game tonight, I think this was a much more evenly played matchup. Um, Of course, that was played out on the scoreboard. But with the trends of the Warriors versus the trend of Brooklyn, uh, this was going to be a tough matchup. It was not one that I expected the Warriors to win. And they're not in a position in which they can expect to beat most of the teams in the NBA. That, in my opinion, does not apply to Portland, who did come into Chase Center and make it a close game. I think the Warriors won by five last Wednesday. But tomorrow night at the Moda, uh, actually, I forget what it is now. I think it's the Moda Center up there in Portland. They got to win that basketball game, plain and simple. So I think if the Warriors are able to travel and um, you know, ma- maintain kind of a, a similar approach to which they ha- it's not as if they've been playing poor basketball for, for the full 48. I mean, this is a team that in first half of games, like if you just look at the first quarter, it's pretty much followed every script of the last two, two and a half weeks. I mean, the starting unit comes out a little bit flat, but then as soon as the bench comes in, boom, immediate, you know, 10-5 run for the Warriors. They go up by four, or pardon me, by seven at the end of that half. They're five of eight from three. They were plus five on the glass, five offensive rebounds in the first quarter, and then a 15-2 bench advantage helps them get that lead. In the second quarter, Brandon Bajemski draws a couple of charges. By the, by the way, has drawn 10 charges for the season. That is the fourth most in the entire association for a guy that wasn't even supposed to be on you know, the, the roster, or at least the, the roster that was going to get minutes to begin this year. So second chance opportunities were, were 
early and often. Clay Thompson, by the way, got to the line six times in the first half. They had an 18-8 run over the final 437. They had stability from their starters. Bajenski was providing impact. Chris Paul was a plus 15 in the first half. So they had a lot to like. And then in the third quarter, it was Brooklyn that took advantage of five Warriors turnovers, which led to eight points. Cam Thomas ends up with 31 points through three quarters, and the Nets started making threes. They hit six of them in that quarter, and the Warriors only were able to net two. So I think that's how they got back into the game. And then their first lead came at 99-96 with 9.05 left since that first half. And it was like, oh my God, you know, this is Groundhog Day again for the Warriors. But that's where, again, in, in such a fragile point in the season, I do think this is a good win for Golden State from the sense of that's a quality opponent that they beat. That's a team that is probably not going to be a top four seed in the East, but is going to be a tough out in the first round. And the Warriors cannot be in a position to grade their victories without maybe their second best player in Draymond Green. They have to pack. They have to pack up Ws. And for a team that had been two and seven in games that Draymond had either been suspended or ejected from, for them to pick up a win, I thought was valuable and important against a team that had advantages, stylistically speaking, in terms of athleticism and use, pretty pretty much all over the board. So that's my final takeaway from this game is it is encouraging from the standpoint that the Warriors were able to exercise some demons. We had we, They have not exercised all of them, but they exercised a demon in the sense that they won a game in which they blew a double-digit lead, which did effectively happen. But what is, I guess, discouraging is that it continues to happen. So how do the Warriors find a way to close games and close them in emphatic fashion to run away with a basketball game that they have controlled for an entire half. That is the next step for this Warriors team, and I hope that that is what they can show against Portland. Because Portland's a team that if you let them hang around, they will make it a tough game. They might even steal a game from you. But if you step on the throats of the Portland Trailblazers, like I believe the Warriors can do, that is a game that even looking back over the last two months right now, The Warriors have not had a game in which they have run away with. You look at home games like Portland, five-point win. Home game against San Antonio, who's been terrible this year, though they did just beat the Lakers on Friday. That's a single-digit win. They have not been able to, from wire to wire, defeat an opponent in emphatic fashion really since the beginning of the season in which they beat the Pelicans on the road by 20 points. That's the only victory that I can point to this year of the now 11 and say they kicked the opposing team's butt from buzzer to buzzer. And so that's what I hope that they can prove uh, on Sunday in Portland. So, I mean, as far as what what people are hoping for right now, uh, look, I'm with you. They got to follow it up tomorrow. Um, The Splash Brothers are still alive. We appreciate you tuning in on YouTube on the Comcast Business Text Line. We appreciate our callers tonight. And um, we look forward to tomorrow. Mark Grandy will have the pre and post for you tomorrow evening. I'll be back on Tuesday along with Thursday and Friday's uh, broadcast. Pardon me, Tuesday, Friday, and then Saturday's broadcast for next week uh, as that will pretty much put a bow on this edition of Warriors Wrap-Up. My name is Evan Giddings, and here from Chase Center, a victory for the Warriors that was much needed, 124 to 120. And they take down the Brooklyn Nets. They snap a three-game skid as the Splash Brothers combined for 61 points. 
Curry 16 fourth quarter points. Brandon Pachemski with 19 five and five. In my opinion, has been the most impactful rookie rookie for the Warriors since Draymond Green. And Steve Kerr also is able to press some buttons down the stretch. So that's what I took away from this game tonight. Hopefully they can continue it tomorrow because they have to do it. They have to get it done. And I think they need to do it in emphatic fashion against a Portland team that has been reeling for the majority of this season. A big thank you to Sterling Bennett, our network coordinator back there in our 95-7 The Game studios. A big thank you to John Lucan who was helping cut all the highlights that you've heard throughout the broadcast. Big thank you, of course, to R.C. Davis beforehand. Big thank you to Tim Roy, Tom Tolbert, who are on the call tonight for the Golden State Warriors. You will hear Tim Roy tomorrow against the Portland Trailblazers for your play-by-play action. That game is a 6 o'clock tip, so Warriors Live will begin at 5 o'clock right here on 95.7 The Game. Also make sure to tune in tomorrow morning. 11 a.m. is going to be the Red and Gold pregame, the kickoff show. Uh, Myself, along Side Lorenzo Neal will have your pregame for the San Francisco 49ers who are hosting the Arizona Cardinals at 1 o'clock, hoping to effectively wrap up the NFC West division and punch their ticket. Well, it's already been punched in the playoffs, but wrap up the division for a second straight season. So make sure to look out for that. And then you got overtime with Sterling Bennett along with Mark Grandy for all of your 49ers coverage before the Warriors play the Portland Trailblazers at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock pregame. We appreciate you tuning into this edition of Warriors Wrap Up after the Warriors getting much needed win against the Brooklyn Nets. Hopefully they can get another one tomorrow. Big thank you. My name is Evan Giddings saying so long. We're one last time the Warriors grab a victory 124 to 120. We appreciate you tuning in to Warriors Wrap-Up presented by Xfinity and we'll talk to you next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.